Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey everyone, it's uh, May 20th, 2020. This is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Wednesday Night Wars edition. Going to be talking AEW Dynamite and NXT on USA. It's me and Justin Labar tonight. Matt Morgan, I was having some technical difficulties and uh, while we were trying to iron them out, uh, suggested he, he should uh, take tonight off. He very much wanted to be here, uh, but you've got me and Justin and we're going to run down everything that happened on AEW and NXT. Justin, uh interesting shows tonight on both counts i thought nxt was was really really good and i think aew was a much more uneven show this evening yeah nxt kind of had like a consistent line of where they were uh aew exceeded that nxt line at times but also dropped well below that line at times it was much more erratic uh, especially for a go-home show especially being a couple days away from from this big double or nothing show on saturday obviously it's not in vegas as a planned but uh, it seems that all the matches, all the content they still want to do is still happening. It's just going to happen in Jacksonville in front of little little to no fans. But yeah, it was an interesting go home uh, for, for sure for, for AEW tonight. Jacksonville, home of AEW. You know you know who else is from uh, Jacksonville, Florida? Justin LeBron? Fred Durst. Yeah, Limp Biscuit, baby. Before, before AEW, I would argue Limp Biscuit was the most famous thing to come out of Jacksonville. Uh, I think Leonard Skinner also is, is Jacksonville. Really? I think. They're Florida. I'm pretty sure I think it's Jack. I thought it was Jacksonville. They they wrote a song called Sweet Home Alabama. Well, but there's so many of them, though. Or maybe this is just blowing my mind. If Leonard Skinner isn't even from Alabama, like, I need to process this. I, I it's, My perception of reality is just crumbled. Muting myself while I open my Snapple Southern here. Southern Rock. The band found a and they found a rural rehearsal space near Jacksonville, which they nicknamed the Hell House due to long hours spent there. Yeah, they, they, their their roots are in Jacksonville. Huh. I guess Sweet Home Florida really doesn't have <laughs> as much of a ring to it. Sweet Home uh, Florida. Again, I didn't catch that for like the first five years. Ah, uh, Florida, Florida. Anywho. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite tonight. Let's do it. We opened the show. Uh, we had the inner circle pulling up in a limo. Uh, Jericho was uh, telling Alex Marvez to shut up. People thought what he did to Vanguard 1 was bad. What will they see what he does to the elite tonight? And uh, then we also had multiple wrestlers around the ring, Private Party, Big Swole. Uh, they were all wearing SG armbands in tribute to Shad Gaspard, of course. Uh, Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Tony Schiavone were on commentary, and uh, we opened with John Moxley versus 10 tonight. I have to admit, 
10 with the tattoos and the look, um, when you had him in the ring alone, not surrounded by the other Dark Order, 10 actually has potential. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, I believe in this guy maybe more than I believe in the entire Dark Order gimmick and stable at this point. Well, you need the other uh, putties or whatever around him because it, 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 it helps enhance his look. Okay, he doesn't have a shirt on. He's got, he is a better built than, than the rest of them. So, I mean, him by himself doesn't really, him by himself, he's just another dude. But when you put him uh, in line with the rest of the uh, of the minions, you know, you know that he's head minion. Um, Wait, he, he has a name. That, is that why they keep Evil Uno around? So like the rest of the guys look more buff? Wait, is that why Matt Morgan does this podcast with me? Because he looks <laughs> more jacked compared to me? Justin, compared to us. Oh my God. It all makes sense now. Matt Morgan's in good shape, but compared to us, it's like a tank. Well, it's like that theory of when the hot girls are on all the ugly girls. It makes it makes her, uh, you know, it makes her elevated. Were the ugly girls in this situation? Yes. <sighs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, apparently, no, I thought... apparently, your agent didn't go over the casting details of this podcast operation. I always think about that when you see the movie or the TV show, and it's like, oh, we've got the slovenly geek character. Could you imagine, like, your agent calling you up and being like, hey, pal, got a role. It's perfect for you. They want to see you. Cast on site, no audition. I always think that about, like, in movies and TV shows, when the when the when the plot calls for, we need a woman who's obese because there's a there's a there's a joke about a fat woman or a joke like I was like, how do you like it that you, that your headshot and that your resume reads that you're going to be called upon and they need somebody who who's for an overweight part like, you know. There was a guy that most people my age would recognize in the '80s who was like the fat guy in every '80s teen comedy and TV show. And then, like, towards the end of the 80s, he lost a bunch of weight, and he couldn't get hired anymore. No one wanted to cast him. Well, that's like the dude um, from Varsity Blues. Well, him, um, the guy who, oh, let's think here. He was in, um, I believe he was Vader's son in Boy Meets World. He was in American History X. Ethan Suppley. Ethan, thank you. And didn't he, he yeah. it, you know, it's like, but part, a lot of his roles were all based around him being a big guy. He's working a lot right now. Uh, and he has a podcast called American glutton about his weight loss journey, um, and about health and fitness. But I feel like I'm seeing him in everything. He was in the hunt. I was watching an episode of good girls last night on NBC that he was in. Um, I feel like he's actually having like a resurgence. I feel like after my name is Earl, he disappeared for a while. And now he's speaking of weight, speaking of weight loss, not as drastic, but have you, did you see Adele recently? Uh, I have heard. I've heard through the grapevine. I, I mean, and I even when she was at her pre- previous weight or look, I didn't think that she was ugly. I mean, she was not thin model, but I thought that she was still beautiful. But now she's like, I, I was like, that's Adele. Like she did some serious transformation. Interesting. That's a lot to unpack, and we're not going to go further down that road. Uh, I want to take a moment and plug something awesome that a uh, fan of ours made here. And uh, that is Wrestling Inc. Bingo. Uh, oh, I saw this. At Double Ob on the Twitters made this tonight. And uh, might be a little more challenging without Matt Morgan here or Raj here to get bingo tonight. But, uh, you know, we'll see what we can do. I'm not going to tilt towards bingo. But you... go to my Twitter account and yeah. you'll find the retweet of this. Just scroll down a little bit. <laughs> I love that Justin was at this show. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt cuts off Justin. Yes. <laughs> so 
Oh, S'mores uh, Indoors Podcast, $5 Super Chat saying, I need the off-topic podcast with you guys now. It's been longer in the making than the debut of Emelina. Uh, let, us, let us get through the weekend and the holiday, and then we'll, we'll pick back up sort of that plan and uh, what we're going to do. Uh, John L. pointing out Chunk from Goonies lost a lot of weight. He's like very uh, thin, petite. Yeah, I'm bald as well. It's uh, It's quite a transformation. He's a very powerful lawyer now in the Hollywoods. Uh, Justin Lopez, $5. Just wanting to let us know Reginald Vale Johnson was cast, typecast as a cop. He was a cop in everything Die Hard, Ghostbusters, Family Matters. Also Turner and Hooch. Interesting. Was he in Turner and Hooch, I believe? The movie or the TV show? The movie. With Tom Short, They was made it? a pilot for a show starring Tom Wilson, who played Biff from Back to the Future. Oh, yes. Have yes. you ever heard Tom Wilson's, uh, in a stand-up comedy, the song, uh, All the Questions He Gets Asked? Yes. Yes. I've met Tom Wilson before. He was an exceptionally nice man. Um, Thomas Miles, thank you for the dollar ninety nine super chat. Just toss some money at us, just cause. No message. Just hey, here's a couple bucks. Yeah, Reginald Johnson was Detective David Sutton and Turner Hooch. Very interesting. I love I love Reggie. Um, have you you you've interviewed everyone in the cast of Family Matters, correct? I have an interview. They all they I I've managed to. Uh, connect with all all of them follow me on social media and i managed to network and connect one way or the other uh Wait, what? Kel- kelly shanine williams is actually f- where she is from is 10 minutes up the road from where i grew up in maryland uh jaleel white i've connected with and we've talked everything from basketball to pro wrestling um uh the, the, the girl who played maxine laura's best friend she's from pittsburgh which is where i live now we have a lot of mutual friends in the different world i i, I managed literally to just to why aren't you doing the Family Matters rewatch podcast? I, you know, if there's ever a time to do it, uh, <laughs> these would be the times, right? Because and it's it's so great too. Because my my daughter's watching every night now because we're on syndication, so we we just record all of them. And like she likes to play a, a game called Steve and Carl, where she acts like Steve, I act like Carl, we reenact. Yes, you mentioned why? Me, why isn't there video of that on the internet? Uh, there is some video. I'll put it out there. She calls me big guy. You should edit together like the opening credits. But with you is every role in Family Matters. Because <laughs> she sings the damn song now, too. She loves it. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, Michael Manessis wants to know what you're drinking. Me? Yes. Uh, the Absolute Labar. Absolute Labar. I guess if you got your own drink, you got to drink it all the time. That's exactly the case. Um, so John Moxley beat 10. Who, again, I've turned a corner. 10 for a singles run. His look is good. He looks like he could be uh, the star of, a, of an ind- independent comic book. Like, not Marvel or DC, but a strong independent book. Like, Invincible or Powers or, you know... Uh, he, he could be blank, man. Something... Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Savan Vavar, $10 Super Chat. Raj Geary thanks you. Uh, says, hey, boys, loves the podcast even on Mondays when it's brutal to watch Raw. Is the Dark Order and the Messiah the same thing? In my opinion, it's similar. Thank you for all you guys do. I've been getting tweets. This has blown up. Multiple people have been mm. saying uh, Seth Rollins is basically WWE Dark Order with uh, what he's doing. It's the equivalent, his little minion group. You know, I really, I really had never thought of that, but I guess because we have seen now Seth have like this rotation of followers, you know, because he had AOP with him and that's you know, one of them got hurt. He's, he's had buddy. Now I think Austin theory looks like may, I guess, yeah, there are some similarities. I guess when I think of Seth and Messiah, I always think back to, I always compare it to um, CM Punk doing his straight edge society, holier than thou kind of stuff. We I looked talked I, about this Monday. Yeah, 
I look more like the Dark Order. Well, I looked more at the Dark Order as just being like cultish oddities. Uh, now with Brody, even though he denied it in an interview, whatever. I mean, but it, it, you know, now with Brody kind of like doing more of the Mister Brody Lee, the, the the Vince parody that we all think it is. Now I look at it as like whether they want her to or not. I look at Dark Order as like just a big parody and big one big shot at WWE and the way Vince runs things. <laughs> but. No, I think uh, they, they need a mission statement with the Dark Order. Like, I'm tired of just, we're going to take over and show you all the truth. Like, I want it to be like they're selling Amway or Herbalife or something. Well, and what's interesting, too, is like, so after tonight, we have now seen, like, you know, we hadn't seen the Bucks for a while. They were at home during these times. So, like, there's people we hadn't seen. Tonight, Butcher and Blade were at ringside as fans. Where has Evil Uno been? No, but maybe Evil Luna comes back and shows up jacked. Maybe he's like doing a dramatic transformation. He's like, I'm no longer going to be the fat guy in the Dark Order. Evil Uno joined Noom, and he's going to yes. come back like he's going to come back rivaling Ten with a body. I have to admit, I have no clue how Noom works, but I have to admit the commercials have me intrigued now because I'm like, okay, what what is it? I would From need to understand. A, 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 a person I know who 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 tried it recently. Uh, from what they said was it kind of they think it they think it talks down to you like they think it's like <laughs> they think it's like drink some water and eat a vegetable like it, it, it they think it's marketed for people who had never ever ever tried dieting before and know nothing about calorie counting or, or what's healthy <laughs> what's not but if like if you if you do know and you just you know you just want to lose like a couple pounds because because it's like just element to just too elementary. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Jay Lane's $5 asking, have I been following the Call Her Daddy podcast drama? Yes, I, I have with uh, Barstool. And what's going on there is very interesting uh, podcast so industry. And so much for Noom ever sponsoring our podcast. Now that it is I know, I'm, I'm going to send Noom an email <laughs> and say, uh, Noom, I'm, I'm curious what the secret is. Get me into, into your cult, the cult of Noom. Uh, maybe being about, talked down to is what it takes. Maybe. How about that podcast drama? Though? I just kind of got caught up on this. These two girls getting to be getting to do what we do, just BS and, and, and make a whole and potentially make a whole lot of money. And because you're dating a nerdy HBO executive, you you throw it all away. Is that what's happened here? No, um, I don't want to get too much into it, but it's a situation where they're salaried employees. I can tell you because uh, we buy ads on that and many other podcasts with my agency, like. That podcast makes a ton of money, and the fact that they're just getting a salary is is why the drama happened. They want uh, okay. to like renegotiate their deal. So basically, um, they, they they were just getting this flat guarantee, and they're like, "This isn't right." It's, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's okay. a crazy world out there. Some people work that way. Never heard. Um, of that. Yeah, uh, but uh, between that and the Joe Rogan news with Spotify, it's it's a lot going on in the podcast world right now. A lot going on. Anyhow, uh, back to AEW Dynamite tonight. Man, I really want to unpack this Noom thing, but we're going we're gonna to save that. We're going to save that for the off-topic podcast. We're going to talk. All, have a whole episode about diets. Mm-hmm. And Matt, Matt Morgan will get me. Ooh, that's that's an off-topic idea. Matt Morgan kind of like gives Justin and I like like a workout plan and a nutrition plan. Might not have to be vegan, but still, like we try we try living the Matt Morgan life and talk about that. Like, boom, that's an episode right there. Yeah. Okay. It's an, it's, it's an episode. I know that I will not be able to live the Matt Morgan life. But okay, we'll just you, okay. Then here's the lazier version. We'll try and drink as much liquid, as much fluids as Matt Morgan does in an episode. We'll get the big milk jug containers of water and try and finish that and see you know if we can do that without vomiting. 
that's okay. that's a bonus podcast right there. Okay. I mean, I'll so, go down. To, I'll, I mean, I'll go down to Florida when it's when it's safe enough, and I'll, I'll do a workout with Matt. We'll see how long it takes him to get me to puke. I mean, that, I'll do that. Oh, I'm thinking within the first five minutes. I'm just gonna hurl. It's gonna be uh, gnarly. First five minutes. Wow. Jeez. No. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I, I play it up sometimes. I'm not quite as sedentary as as, <laughs> I, as I am on camera. Uh so Michael Lazar's two dollars saying, "Are we surprised the double or nothing pay per view won't have fans?" I think. Well, they had some fans tonight. They've had fans the last Did few they? weeks. Yeah, they tonight they had them. They made sure they didn't sit on the section that's right in front of the hard camera. But they had them flanked off to the sides. They've been letting fans go in there. If, if they, they, they apparently they have the rapid testing, they've been letting if, if if a fan test is okay, they let them come in. Now, I mean, it's only been a couple dozen, but I mean. We're not going to see uh, – I mean, Double Nothing is going to be just like it was Dynamite. You're going to have some people probably at ringside, and they might be a few random onlookers that are lucky enough to be in there. But, I mean, it's not going to be the first pro wrestling back with even a limited capacity but like a roaring crowd that's, that's you know, yay, boo, yay, boo. It's not going to be that. Um, but if, if you are in the Jacksonville area on Saturday, and if you can pass a COVID-19 test, then you're, you can get in there. Is that saying the alphabet backwards, or is it a little more in depth than that? The COVID nineteen test. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Evertad two dollars is saying Stu and Uno are Canadian citizens. Uh, yes, oh. I'm sure that's the logical reason, but it's more fun to speculate with just silly, silly ideas. Anyhow, John Moxley won that match. Then, well, Ogo Moxley and uh, Brody Lee. Moxley cut a promo. Brody Lee showed up on the screen. Lee said Moxley doesn't call the shots. All he did was ask for his title back. Um, they're really building this, man. Uh, but then we had MJF with Wardlow versus Marco Stunt in a match that went longer than it should have. Yeah, uh, this has been a theme we've seen in AEW. They they have the idea still set out to where they clearly know who's going to win and clearly know who's going to lose. You know who's the, the enhancement talent. You know who's the uh, the, the main feature they're pushing to, but they still want to give that other guy a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it w- went a little bit longer. Obviously, the point is here, MJF's building to go up against, uh, you know, Jungle Boy uh, on Saturday. So he's going to, you know, you'd think he'd run through Marker a little bit faster, but uh, is what it was. It was entertaining. Um, I think uh, MJF's promo after was good. It worked, but yeah, just a little long. Let's talk about Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson out there. Yes. So this was, look, I mean, <clears throat> this was a clear example of AEW uh, and, and some of the creative freedom. Um, cheap plug, it dropped today on Wrestling Inc. On the Wrestling Inc. Daily podcast with myself and Nick Hosman. I did a 20-plus uh, inter- minute interview yesterday uh, with Matt Hardy. And we talk about a lot of things. One of the things we kick right off with is just talking about the creative freedom in AEW and, and things. So go check that out. There's a lot more that, that gets unpacked, including some stuff that he's never talked about before. Um, and, but, 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 but it's a cheap plug there. And the creative freedom that, he, that Matt talks about, you can kind of see it here. These two guys were not given a script to memorize. They were, not, they were very much told, go out there, get the match over, get Tyson over, to the point of where they were having fun just doing going off their natural instincts that you can tell there was a time or two where Arn is telling Jake, shush, I need to get this I need to get this point out to hit one of the marks that we need to hit. But even all that said, it was still entertaining. It's still cool to watch two of the best that can cut a promo ever. You're talking about the enforcer of the four horsemen. You're talking about Jake, the snake Roberts, one of the best promo guys ever. Um, 
it was there. Uh, you know, I, it got me more excited for this match. The fact they said, okay, Tyson can go anywhere he wants. Uh, he's got free reign. These two guys are out there now. Who knows what they might do? Will Jake and Arn get into it? Obviously, Lance, Archer, and Cody's already been building well for this new inaugural title. So this got me more interested in the match. I, I, I tweeted, I couldn't help but think as they try to have a scuffle as the refs are breaking them up. <laughs> I was like, man, if AEW ever has to do a Saudi Arabia show, this is one of the headlining oh, yeah. events right here. No, absolutely. Um, do you think, though, for – and this really goes to who AEW's audience is. Do you think – not for the the hardcore fans, not for the people they've been drawing, but do you think for bringing in new viewers, when they see something like Jake and Arn, it just completely goes over their head? Uh, how so? What do you mean, like, how so? Well, okay, so I think it's kind of like in WWE, right? The the thing with some of the legends, like everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is, and mm-hmm. they get that. I think uh, with Jake, obviously more well-known than Arn, uh, casual people. Just mm-hmm. the snake gimmick alone is one of the most legendary gimmicks of all time. But I'm saying that if I'm if I'm a younger person flipping the channels and I see the 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 flippy shit as the kids say, I might stop and be like, oh hey, this is interesting. Or if I see MJF up there, you know, being funny or Cody up there with sincere passion, do you well, think that it's maybe a little lost on a more casual younger viewer? I don't know. I, that's hard to say because I'm. I mean. You know, I'm in. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be 33 this year, so I, I'm I'm not in touch necessarily with what a 20 year old. I, I don't know because because it's hard to say because it, you, we we assume that AEW's wrestling fan is the more invested in wrestling fan than the one on WWE. The WWE fan has the, a larger portion that is the moms and dads or the kid um, or the moms and dads are just watching it because of the kids or the kids themselves. So like I. I to me, I would think any AEW fan, even if they were born in 1998, they've watched the WWE Network. They've studied mm-hmm. who, who the best of the yeah. past are. So I feel like they kind of know Arn Anderson. You know, they may not be able to say that they have seen t- t- 20 Arn Anderson matches or even seen 20 Jake the Snake Roberts matches in, in, in full uh, in their life, but they've at least read enough, heard enough interviews, read enough stuff, seen enough highlight clips. They know, okay. Jake Roberts is a big deal. He was, and here's like the highlight things he did. Arnison, Arn Anderson's a big deal. He's a highlight thing. So I, I think it's still the segment's still meant to show, show some credibility that AEW, this other wrestling company that's out there on on major cable, has credible names working uh, with them. Yeah, I thought it was good. I'm just curious about that. Now on the flip side, this Darby Allen promo with the poker game and the ladder. Yeah. If I'm flipping channels, I'm stopping for that. That's that's like. His promos, I would reckon, are probably the most visually striking and interesting thing on TV on any channel at that moment, whenever they show them. Sure, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with that it's um, yeah, if you're flicking channels, you know, if you're, you know, if you're somebody who, yeah, it, it, the, 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 you know, I just got done. Obviously, as I told her about this podcast, I got done and finally caught up and I've watched all three seasons of Ozark. And, and like, I'm watching a Darby promo, and I'm like, there's just some dark underworld stuff going on here, some gambling and some mind games and who's this individual. I mean, like, yeah, if, if you're somebody who's really into some of the modern day storytelling and editing and, and, and the, the shades of gray characters, it's no longer clear cut, good, clear cut, bad. This is definitely very much resonates with 2020. And then they follow that with PAX promo. What'd you mm-hmm. think of that? Uh, good. Uh, I, I, you know, the, I, you know, he's somebody who uh, I, got, I got to interview a little bit when he was in WWE. Um, 
it's just like night and day. It's hard to imagine it's the same person just because of how WWE presented him and what they asked him to do or not do. And to see him in this capacity, it's like, you know, man, it's got to feel like such a breath of fresh air for him. And of course, Pac being a member of uh, Death Triangle that followed into Orange Cassidy versus Phoenix from Death Triangle, which I'd forgotten Death Triangle was a thing Mm because that happened right before uh, the world changed. Um, I'm surprised they gave Orange Cassidy this long of a match on free TV. I would be a fan if they just kept saving these for the pay-per-view. I thought this was really good, though, tonight with him and Phoenix. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, full disclosure, the, the match started... And I mean, I, I mean, I'm interested in Orange Cassidy, the match, but kind of like what you said, I just figure, okay, this is going to be a, a quick one and done. That's just that's what you know, Orange's gimmick kind of is. That they put him in a match, right? Like, especially like you said on free TV. I stepped out of the room to do something. It was gone maybe two minutes, and I came back in. I'm like, wait, the match is still going on. And like, right when I came back in, not long after, Orange Cassidy does off the rope the flying like into yeah. the DDT, and I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Um. I'm not, not to say that it was bad, but it, yeah, I was just kind of, like you said, shocked. Like, isn't this something you save that you, you only roll out on the premium events? You know? And then after Phoenix got the win, we saw SCU run out, uh, Colt Cabana. Oof. So, uh, I, I mean, I, that's one thing you can say about tonight's AEW tonight's, I mean, obviously it's not ballet, but, um, <laughs> Fe- I mean, there's a couple injuries we'll talk about Phoenix. He does that, that springboard jump and, you know, look, I mean, I, I know, every, you know, it's easy to say all oh, those guys, all those guys out there, you know, that's, that's their job they need to do is catch them. But like that jump of his wasn't the best either. And so, I mean, he ends up, if you go back and watch it, his, his knees down to his ankles end up catching the guys he's jumping on, but everything else of his body and his head just smacks on that floor. Yeah. And he was, he was out for it. The doctor and the refs are rolling him over. They're trying to, they're trying to attend to him knowing there's still two more or three more high spots that are coming. Um, you know, this being, you know, what three, three, four days before this this big pay per view, him, and then yeah. again, we'll we'll get into some of the other ones as we go through the show. Like, it was a, it was a pretty uh, reckless episode here. Terry Allen Jr. with the five dollars super chat wanted to point out that Chad did motion capture for SmackDown versus Raw 2010 and God of War. Condolences towards the family and friends, and tell Matt hi for me. Uh, thank you, Terry Allen, and we talked uh, extensively about Chad on Monday nights podcast um and again i apologize for video viewers matt was having audio problems i tried to boost the audio for matt as much as possible on the audio version um but i highly recommend everyone go and listen to uh some of matt's stories and uh his remembrance of uh shad who uh tragically passed away this week uh phil phil with canadian ten dollars saying i feel weird i was saying canadian ten dollars like i'm putting it down like it's ten dollars but it's ten dollars canadian uh, saying really reckless that Phoenix gets hurt and all the guys do their spots while he lays there. Even Stanley has near insisting on doing that suplex when Britt was clearly trying to block it because of her knee. Justin, uh, uh, well, uh, can you put it back up, please? Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry. Um, well, look, it's not first off, I mean, the ref is there talking to Phoenix, and, and Phoenix himself rolled, you know, got himself partially under the ring so that way they could keep going. I mean, this is a situation when you have this many. It's not like it's just Phoenix got hurt and there's just one other person. Not like it's a singles match. At this point, you know, you you're, you got you know seven, eight guys that are all going to be that are all doing the hard sell for this match they got coming up. So, like, you can't just like call the whole segment off. And by the way, I mean, it it wasn't. 
I don't know what Ray Phoenix's status is, but I mean, the, the ref was just checking on and talking to him. The doc cannot even come in. I mean, like, you just keep going with it. He rolled under, so the guys can keep doing what they're going to do. The, the, the show goes on kind of mentality. That's just kind of the match goes on. And with Britt, I mean, I can't speak. I don't know how she is right now, but like, I don't know for sure if she was trying to block. I think of anything, she's she's just trying to she's trying to go with the suplex, but she doesn't have the the, the 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 you know her right knee, her right leg is killing her, and so she's probably telling Chris like shift your weight, pick me from the other side. I can't, I can't, I can't uh, step off of this leg. So I mean, it's not look the, the wrestling mentality is you know the, these guys and girls are so tough that you if you can you keep going and you get to a point you you keep. I mean, look, Steve Austin got dropped on his head. And they still needed to finish the match, and yeah. they did. He 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 the worst roll up ever of Owen Hart, but they had to get to the point of Steve. They just had to get to the finish. So that's what these guys and girls are trained of: is you is you, is you keep going and, and you finish. So I, I don't I don't think there's I don't think anybody's mad at anybody for for the spots continuing and and the and the, the Phoenix stuff, and then Chris trying to suplex Brick because again, Chris doesn't necessarily know. Well, moment. speaking of which, that next match was Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker and Nyla Rose in a tag team match with Nyla Rose and Britt Baker uh, picking up the win via pinfall. Uh, I like this match. I thought this this looked like the uh, stars of the AEW women's division, and I thought it was it was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't a bad match. I, mean, I don't know. I this wasn't my favorite of the recent AEW women's matches we got, um, you know, they're, 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 they, they were trying to build, obviously they were trying to like build, you know, and they, they had a little story going on between some. Yeah. Both, both sets have uh, matches this Saturday. It's double or nothing. Didn't it seem yeah. weird that they were hyping? Like we've got two women's matches on the card. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's some story they're trying to tell. Um, it, there was some parts that were a little sloppy, obviously after brick got hurt, they're trying to call audibles and, you know, it's a tough situation to be in. It's a tough situation to be in, no matter uh, how many years you've been in the business. But like we have to remember too, AEW's women's division, all things considered, of what they, you know, WWE had, WWE's acquired a lot of of, of the of, of the women in the world, especially women that have had more experience. So in some cases, when you watch the AEW women's division, they are learning as they go, and that that's not to say that it's a yeah. shitty division. It's just to say. Well, no, I don't want people to think that because it's not. But it's to say you're, you're seeing some talents get get some TV experience like this, and they're just they're kind of there's a lot of first they're experiencing on live TV or close yeah. to live. Um, so you know, calling audibles when you got when you got a heel that's down, um, you know, it, it can be tough. Um, but it, it, the spot was just you know they, the, the baby faces tried to try to um, you know basically John Cena uh, AA Nyla onto. Brit and Nyla just came rather than Nyla coming in and being able to hit Brit right here and Brit just absorbed the impact. Nyla came in and landed flush right on Brit's right leg. Mm. And that's what the issue was. So after the match, uh, Rose got a table from under the ring, threw it inside, got up, tried to uh, put Sheeta on there, went to the top rope at Statlander, grabbed her for the distraction. Sheeta then hit a superplex on Nyla Rose. Baker looked to help, but was held back by a few people. Um, or looked, uh, she got help to the back by a few people. I apologize. Uh, this promo, I like this thing with Moxley and Lee. Uh, I enjoyed it. It reminded me of the John Mulaney Ice-T uh, Law & Order SVU bit when John Moxley started describing confrontations. I like this too, yeah. Yeah, but much like the, the Mulaney Ice-T bit, 
I wanted Moxley just to keep going on for 20 minutes more, giving examples of yeah. uh, day in the life of confrontations. It was very funny. You know what made it good? It, it, it felt it, it it felt relatable. I mean, whether or not you've been in the the parking spot or what the few examples you gave, yeah. it's all stuff that you can just like in real world application. You, everybody's came across it at some point or another, so it was relatable. It felt real. It didn't feel like Moxley or Dean Ambrose having to go extra to seem extra crazy. This just felt like a very this this felt like. Some of the stuff the first time I ever saw John Moxley uh, nine years ago when he was John Moxley before signing with WWE. So I this this I liked. I really did. I feel like the current situation has probably hampered him more than anyone because I think that when he's having fun and they let him do his thing, he's just at the top of his game, the best he's ever been. And I think him not being there and being out of it. Um, I, th- I think uh, I hope they keep the belt on him. I mean, obviously he's not losing uh, at double or nothing, but I think uh, the best is yet to come as we get back into a regular routine and he's allowed to just sort of go with it more. You say obviously he's not losing the belt, but it's an interesting. I think decision. Brody Lee is walking out double or nothing champion. If I had to bet, if I've had to put down like a hundred bucks, I'm putting Moxley, but it, it's not a carefree bet i mean like to, for, for brody to come in and, and like with i mean brody with so much it, we expected him to be there right we kept waiting and waiting and then he shows up he's a leader of dark order and like out the gate within two months his he's only had not even a hand not even five singles matches i don't think for so his first pay-per-view match his first big match is for the title which he's not gonna win moxley's probably gonna win but like it's also like how do you, you got to book it carefully to not hurt Brody, but the sure. AEW does not go for screw up to this point, up and up, up to this point. They do not go for screwy finishes. They try to give you a, 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 a clear winner and loser. Look, I, I, you know, let's take it back here a couple of years on this podcast. I'm a fan of Brody Lee. Uh, as I believe I said at the time, uh, years ago, he's got soulful eyes. There's more to him than meets the eye. He is, he's got layers. I would argue when you listen to his natural speaking voice and his personality, I would argue he's one of the best actors in professional wrestling because he's playing someone that is so clearly not him. Oh, yeah. um, and yeah, the, uh, the, the man behind Brody Lee is one of the smartest people I've ever met in the wrestling business. He's, he's intelligent. As I and I think he could legitimately, I mean, he's acted in movies. I think he legitimately is one of the, the shortlist of guys that could have a great career if he wanted to leave wrestling behind and just yeah. go Hollywood. He um, said, he says it all on his face. He can do yes. it. Do it. But that being said, let's be very real for a second that this is, a, you know, this is a guy at WWE who was maybe like third tier talent, even with the Bludgeon Brothers, maybe, maybe he was on the cusp of the second tier, whereas Dean Ambrose held it down on WWE for a good period of time. So I, I think that with Moxley, like I, I, w- I would put a lot of money on Moxley walking out of there as champion. Uh, unless they find someone to just completely screw him as part of the storyline. But it just seems to me like Brody Lee is, he's going to be a star on AEW, but come on, Moxley and Jericho, who else would you even put at that level? Because even Kenny Omega isn't someone that they've decided they want to be at that level. Cody Rhodes isn't someone they want to be at that level. And I would put those guys ahead of Brody Lee. I mean, I mean, Matt Hardy could win the world title. Nobody complained. I agree with that. I think even even MJF, MJF, I would be like, you know what? It's a little too early, but let's see what the kid does with it. Because I think he's got yeah. such potential. With Brody Lee, it's not a diss on him. I just don't, I just don't see it. 
And I hope, you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope they come up with a really creative well, way to do this on Sunday. I mean, I don't think Mox is going to lose, but I, but it is just, I'm just, I'm just really curious what the finish is. How, I mean, because again, the easy thing to say is, oh, Brody's got a, he's got a gang full of minions, but I, I, like that could like just turn it into a, a DQ. That's not been AEW style. Now I will say if AEW decides to end double or nothing, which I think they would with the stadium stampede. So therefore Moxley and Brody is not the last match. You can get away with a, uh, pardon my French, with a with a with a with a fuck finish. You could get away with 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 an unfilled with you know just uh, you know inconclusiveness because it's not the last match of the night. But I don't know if they will. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. Uh, Sean Spears, this promo challenging uh, Dustin to a match and double or nothing. Liked it. Like yeah, the promo. good. Next week, there's going to be a battle royal with the winner facing whoever is the TNT champion, uh, which will be, of course, Cody or Lance Archer. And then we had Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy in the main event tonight. Yeah, I, uh, this was really good. Look, um, again, another cheap plug. This is exactly what Matt wanted to do and he would have done if he could stay with WWE. Well, and again, go to the interview and, and, and that I just referenced earlier. It's on wrestling. There's it's it's on the wrestling daily. There's some quotes already on wrestling Inc. is Matt won in the record books, which is fine. This is Matt's first singles match in AEW. He was one and one going into this. Obviously both have been you know, tag matches. Matt Hardy won in the record books, but Sammy Guevara looked just as good, if not better coming out of this. I mean, he, I mean, Sammy Guevara got more boosted credibility of not just being Sammy, you know, who's Jericho's, you know, fun little, protege and and is witty and is 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 you know very athletic sammy came off jr gave him that he's as tough as a two dollar steak uh, award he said it in the commentary and it did it came off this was a very very back and forth competitive match yeah um so this was good this this, this i mean this this kept my attention and then and then the segue into the the shenanigans on the jacksonville jaguars field where the the match is going to take place on on saturday yes. that was a, a good a good ending scene for sure. Yes. Matt Hardy won via pinfall and then Jericho and the inner circle had Kenny Omega tied up to a gold post uh, in advance of the stadium stampede match. Uh, Matt Hardy went out there. Uh, then we had uh, the bucks made their return mm-hmm. and hangman page was there as well. Yeah. What you needed. I mean, you haven't, yeah. you haven't had the bucks around in a while. So you needed that. And uh, yeah. And, uh, and one other thing I'll say about Sammy, in this one match, he managed to do a counter to the twist of fate that I have, I've never seen. Maybe it's been done before, but like he comes down and basically handsprings himself up. He does a counter, but then also in the same match, also sells it as brutally as I've ever seen anybody, where he, where he basically just railroad spikes his head into the mat. Um, so again, this, this was a really good match. If uh, I know sometimes people watch and listen to this podcast and they don't necessarily see all of NXT or AEW yet, and they use us as uh, recommendations for what to fast forward to go mm. to definitely watch this match. There you have it. Uh, so that was dynamite tonight talking about it back. It seems like a better show than what we watched, but I think I'm just looking forward to double or nothing. I think that's going to be great on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got, I mean, they've, they've what they're showing on, on that show. They, they've definitely got story in every single one of the matches. So let's talk about NXT, which, Open side, of course, uh, with the graphic in memory of Shad Gaspard. 
who passed away at the age of 39 this week. And uh, then we were from the Performance Center, and we opened with Karrion Cross, Cross versus Liam Gray. I loved uh, the Cross and Scarlet entrance tonight. I thought this was better than the uh, first time we saw this. Yeah. Um, and then, by the way, they, uh, that the full, they're at full sale. But um, Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It was the, I don't know why. I can't really point anything different, but it was even better than the first time. You're right. You And you would think that like you see this one, you're like, all right, well, it's not as cool as the very, very first one I saw when they made the debut two weeks ago. But no, something somehow this was even better. I don't know what or how. Maybe it's because I knew what to expect and I wanted to see it again. But I absolutely agree with you. I, I um, When I found out that they were going to be the very first opening thing that NXT was going to show, uh, sometimes I start and I have my eyes on AEW first, and I give it a I give it a you know a minute or so before I check in with NXT. I was solely focused on this because I wanted to see it again. Uh, Karrion Cross, of course, won easily. Uh, but Tommaso Ciampa came out, went into the ring uh, to let Cross know that they're going to be facing off at Takeover in Your House on June seventh. This is big. This is a. Uh, sometimes I think it's definitely. Uh, hyperbole when people say, "Oh, this one match alone can sell an entire uh, sells you know sells an entire show for me to tune into." This one does without knowing any other match. This one does because of um, obviously the intrigue of the of the build they've done of just bringing Cross and Scarlet in, and then like you know, there's already a story here. They they, they you know the way they kind of were stalking and then attacked Champa uh, over the over the weeks that led up to their official debut, and then you look at. Champa, we know what his body work is. We are we're starting to get a glimpse of Cross. And you're like, geez, what the hell are these two guys going to do well, right out the gate with each other? But similar to Moxley versus Brody Lee, like we know Cross is winning this match. And similar to Moxley and Brody Lee, I think I know who's going to win. I think I know who I put my hundred bucks down. But I am damaged in how they accomplish it. I think they'll both be great matches. It's not dismissing Brody. It's not dismissing uh, dismissing Champa. It's just. You know, look, there are things that when we talk about who we think is going to win a match as wrestling fans, there are things that we'd like to see happen. There are things we think, oh, that could be really interesting if that happens, like Jinder Mahal uh, rising with the, the surprise to the championship. Um, there are things where you go, well, okay, I kind of get the logic with this. Maybe it's not what I want. But I think there are some things where it just it feels certain. And again, I would love to be surprised, but this is one of those where... I feel 99.99% certain as I know what the outcome is going to be. But I, that being said, I'm also certain it's going to be a fantastic match. I, I'll here. I'll, tell me if you agree. I feel more certain that I would, if I had to put a hundred bucks on one or the other outcome, I feel more certain that cross is going to win this match than I do. Mox is going to beat Lee. Yeah. I mean, cross is going to win unless, 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 but again, this would make no sense storyline wise. Gargano. Unless Gargano and yeah. Candice LeRae interfere. But again, that makes no sense storyline-wise right now. But that's yeah. what's next. I mean, that's what this is all building up to, is Gargano and Candice versus Scarlet and Cross. Like, that's and, who, the, and who's the face? Because John, I mean, Cross and Scarlet don't appear as faces. They're sneaking around and attacking Cold, people. Antihero. So it's, 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 it's Antihero versus Antihero? With their Antihero woman? Women? Is is Gargano really an anti-hero? He feels more like a heel. Well, so but no, my point is like so it's so it's anti-hero versus heel. There's just no baby face. Yeah. So, cro- cro- so there's no baby face, but Cross is the more ch- Cross is the one WWE would like if there's an audience to cheer. 
the Han Solo of the situation. I haven't watched enough for you to do these references yet. My wife Wait, still catch me up. You you haven't watched A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back? Or? I watched, so my wife wants me to go. She had me watch the prequel that then leads into the movies in the 70s. I've watched the prequel, so now I need to watch the ones in the 70s and everything after that. She told me the ones in the 90s with Natalie Portman or whatever I can skip. Um, uh, but I watched the prequel that came out a couple years ago. So, like, yeah, I, I haven't watched enough for you to, I can't make it. Okay, okay, let me put it this way. Um, after I finish Ozark, that's my next thing is to do some Star Wars catching up on. Okay, so in Happy Days, Richie Cunningham is the baby face. Fonz is the anti-hero. Okay. They can team up to fight a bad guy, but Fonz could also fight a bad guy on his own. But you know what I mean? Like, you okay. don't feel sympathy for Fonzie. Fonzie is never really in jeopardy. I got you. Yeah, I can't uh, find a I can't find a family matters equivalent. So okay, we'll go with that. Yes. Uh Stefan Urkel, not a baby face. Steve Urkel, baby face. True. Stefan is just so perfect and so like he's just got like yeah, you know, you never feel bad. You can't feel you bad. Like you like you you want to hate him, but you love him. Like yeah. he's an antihero. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. All right. He's the cool guy. You you get it. You're catching on. Um, By the way, have you ever seen Jaleel White star in CeeLo Green's Cry Baby music video? No, this I was, This was like 10 years ago. When when CeeLo Green put out um, his famous F.U. song, yes. uh, on that same album, there was a song called Cry, Cry Baby. When everybody's done this, go search CeeLo Green Cry Baby. It's a great song. Very soulful if you like that kind of music. And Jaleel White lips thinks the whole thing, and Jaleel White is the star. And uh, uh, Stefan's got some moves, let's just say. Uh, you know, lately we've been watching a little Perfect Strangers. There you go. Yeah. We skipped ahead to season two when they're at the newspaper. Of course. The they're planting Chronicle. the seeds. They're planting the seeds for family members. For Harriet, Chicago yes. Chronicle. Exactly. Then she gets laid off as the elevator operator. <laughs> they should have gone to automation years ago. Yes. Um. So we, uh, we had a Cruiserweight tournament match. Uh. El Hijo del Fantasma versus Akira Tozawa. Uh, Fantasma's mask. Fantasma looks badass, and I was stoked that he won this match. Yeah, I, I like um, I like luchador style wrestlers that have luchador style masks and styles in the ring that are bigger than the traditional luchador, and he and he is that. I I, I like that. I, it, it's just something about it that's. Uh, I mean, I'm a bit. Uh, I guess I'm a bit of a body guy in that way. I've always loved the Braun Strowmans. I've always loved. I've always loved the guys that subscribe to the philosophy of they walk through the airport. You know, there's somebody special. They don't blend in with the crowd. Uh, and he's he's kind of and he's got that mixed with the the lucha appeal. Um, uh, former drummer for my band and editor at Giant Bomb, Alex Navarro, on Twitter was saying that Phantasma uh, is, is someone where it's like he has like physics applied to him differently. He has like his own relationship with gravity, the way he moves. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I, I want to watch more of this guy. I think uh, he is a superstar and I hope he never ends up on raw or SmackDown uh, and gets added to like the Lucha house party or just gets thrown in uh, to, to being pigeonholed. Cause he's great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and I love, I love my boy Lince Dorado, but I, I, <laughs> I would not wish Luja House Party uh, on him. I would not. Do you think it was like the fuzzy mask? Do you think that's what sort of damned him with Vince? Lince? Yeah. Uh, you know, 
between watching the Undertaker documentary and watching how Vince, you know, that was, was an interesting, more screen time for Vince and, and, and Vince, Vince, not the character that we normally get. And then again, cheap plug, Matt Hardy trying to deal with Vince on his final months. I don't know if Vince really knows who Lince is. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Vince knows. I don't, I, I have more and more questions about if you're not on us on, on this level, I don't know if Vince knows or if that's when he delegates and goes, okay, that's where Paul Heyman or Bruce Pritchard keeps track of you if they're running Raw or SmackDown. Or that's where Carano running talent relations. I, I think I think as the machine has grown and grown and grown and Vince has gotten older and older and older, I, I don't know how – I don't know if, if, if you pulled him aside and said, name me the three members of, Lince, uh, of, of Lucha House Party, I don't know if he could say Lince Dorado, Grand Metalik, and, and uh, Kalisto off the top of it. <laughs> So, uh, Justin, give me a little, like, Vince McMahon when he called these three talents into the room to let them know they were going to be rebranded with this uh, Lucha House Party gimmick. How, how, might, how might that have gone? Uh, furry mask guy. Bigger mask guy. Rey Mysterio. You guys, you're coming to the show. You're coming to the longest episodic television show Ever in the history of TV, you're lucha, you're luchadors, but you're more than that. You're fun, you're happening, you're a party, you're a, you're a, you're a lucha house party. <laughs> Something like that. Accurate, accurate. And then it was like, oh, we got you pinatas. Who doesn't love a pinata? That that's when that should have like that. That is when I'm sure their hearts just completely sank. Like, and here you're gonna go out with a pinata. Have the pinatas ever been beaten? Do we even know if there's candy in those pinatas? I feel like the pinatas don't get involved in the match as much as one might suspect they would. Uh, that's a fair point. Do you remember when you discovered pinatas as a child? Of course. Like that uh, was the five, dream. Five, probably five or six, like one of the first big birthday parties I ever oh, went to. At the, I believe at the time, as a child, I, can, I declared this is the best birthday party I've ever been to. Sure. Like we get to just beat something until candy busts out of it. Like this is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that, that, that's, that's pinata. I mean, like, I mean, what's not to love about that as a kid? Yeah, you get to swing. I mean, you get to swing a bat at something <laughs> and you get the greatest reward ever as a kid. It's true. Can't can, beaten candy, like just pummeled, bruised candy. Um, Stephen Mercutio two ninety nine is saying cross versus black is money down the line. I agree. Uh, I feel like we've got a ways to get there, though, till they can really be at the right level. Yeah, uh, and yeah, um, I mean, you could all you could say that about you could say cross versus Bray Wyatt. You could say black versus Bray Wyatt. I mean, th- there's definitely a place where there's these guys who are either the supernatural that I always declare the mass or they're just just being being presented as just killing machines and you go god that that that's a, that those are trains you're waiting for to collide. Uh Glory Dalton Buck 99 is saying there's a perfect strangers reunion on Twitch on May 29th. What? Really? Mark my calendars. Yes. I was uh watching a radio interview on YouTube with uh, Marklin Baker and Bronson Pinchot and it was uh it was nice to see them together again. I hear well, not everyone in the cast likes Bronson, but uh, well, May twenty ninth we'll be doing a SmackDown podcast. I said we all I say all we all call off to Raj and we, we, can we go join the Twitch? 
My favorite thing Bronson Pinchot has ever done, though, um, is the movie True Romance. He is so goddamn funny in that film, in that role. If uh, people have never seen it, it's actually my favorite Tarantino movie, but it's the only one that Tarantino wrote. But oh, well, it's one of the few that Tarantino wrote but did not direct. I think it's the best Tarantino movie ever made. Is that like Tarantino's first? Uh, he actually sold the script before he made Reservoir Dogs, and it came out after Reservoir Dogs. True romance. Yeah, Christian Slater, Patricia Nine. Arquette, Gary Oldman, Samuel L. Jackson, Christopher Walken, in Dennis Hopper, yeah, Val Kilmer. Holy hell, this the cast. It's really great. Like seriously, dude. Like like Michael, this Michael is Michael Rappaport. Yeah, Michael Rappaport. That's my favorite thing he's ever done. Was that like if you've never seen this movie, it is a gift. It is uh, very very good. Oh, um, so the guy that plays Tony Soprano and yes. the girl, the woman who's the maid on Two and a Half Men. I love her. Yeah. I love Two and a Half Men. No surprise there, right? Um, you will like this movie. Bronson. My favorite. I love Bronson in Step by Step as uh, Jean-Luc. <laughs> when he was just collecting a paycheck. What about, why don't you go, why don't you go all the way and go to Migo if you want to go for Bronson Pinchot phoning it in for uh, for a paycheck? Hey, Step by Step was not a phone in for him. <sighs> Come on. He joined the cast in like what the... Like the, the last, like the yeah, last, season. the last season, you know. But, he, but his, but his voice he did was great though. Yes, um, you know he messed up his back doing that Migo show. Uh, really? He was doing this because he was an alien that was like a nanny with Jonathan Lipnicki from Jerry Maguire, and he was rigged up, and uh, I guess the cable broke, and he fell and hurt his back. Heard him talk about this in an interview. Uh, why oh, do bad, I know this much bad, about Bronson Pinchot? Bad rigging. That's been a theme of our viewing this week. Oh, good lord, I didn't even we'll, think we'll, about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That might have been around the same time as well. 99? I think Migo, yeah, because that was after Jerry Maguire. God, that's, hang wow. On. All right, hang on out. You can't you can't put that out there without me. Yeah. It was uh, on CBS. Uh, pardon me, no, it was 97. Still. Still. Two hours, or two two years earlier. I heard wow. it was a rough watch, the, the Dark Side of the Ring. You haven't watched it? I, here's the thing, man. It's like with everything going on right now. I mean, people that watch Monday night's podcast, like I, I lost it listening to Matt talk about Shad. Like I just, I can't right now with everything else that's going on. I feel like I, I need to distract myself. I mean, it, obviously it's, it's emotional and, uh, and not to say that like it, uh, <clears throat> you know, hits me even another level because like Owen's two kids, he's a boy and a girl and the ages they are when he dies. And I have, a boy and a girl. So like, you know, you, when you start to apply it to your life and start to try to like imagine putting yourself in the shoes, but even if you don't have kids or whatever, it, it's, it's sad no matter what, but it, it is very, um, it's interesting when Martha's taught and it's her side of the story. Obviously you don't hear an official word from WB. We never will, uh, really. But you know, when Martha's telling her side of the story of like, they had this great rigor company, people and company that did Disney and Elton John and all these, main acts and then, and then they move to this these guys these these rigging guys that have never done this and but they because they wanted a certain vision of as soon as owen lands he's able to boom be released from the harness and you hear that and then like fans always you know they kind of like complain like oh yeah i wish owen's in the hall of fame but his wife won't let it happen and it's like that's true but don't say it's so whimsical she's giving the, the the explanation and context of why she doesn't want this company who she thinks or she's she's she holds the the murder of her sure. husband over on this company she doesn't want them honoring and profiting off of him 
Uh, so, it, 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 I mean, you really should. If, if you're going to watch any of them, and I, all right, we might as well segue real quick, real quick. I know we're not done with NXT. It yeah. was the it's the record setting viewership for uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, so prior to this one, it was the Chris Benoit episode, um, but this one ended up drawing. Uh, where are we at here? This one ended up drawing 349,000 viewers uh, live when it aired. So if you're ever going to watch Dark Side of the okay. Ring right now, watch this one. Um. So, after Phantasma won that tonight, we saw recap of Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher losing to Imperium. And, uh, yeah, they're building up the match with them. So, we got the both sides for that promo tonight. I don't know. This feels like it was too short-lived of a relationship to really be invested in this as something. This, this was going to be a cage match. Yeah. Yeah, next week. It'll be good, but I don't know. This is not a long-standing feud. Uh, on a happier note, oh my god, the Shotzi Blackheart promo. This is the most glow thing that WWE has done in ages, and I loved it, and I want them to do more of these uh, for both male and female talent. I thought this was fun. It had the right amount of like whimsy, personality. Uh, I love Shotzi, but I think that everything about this was great TV. Yeah, I, I I agree. I like the I like these profiles. I like they're a little they're a little out of the box. Like you said, they're kind of glowish. The so they're well when she was driving the tank over it and be like, "What's that? Yeah. What's you know?" She yeah. was naming all the opponents. Yeah. You know, what's that, Raquel? That's your face. Like yeah. that was it was great. I I mean, it was just fun. It this felt to me like bringing things back to that really like innocent cartoon wrestling, and I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it is a little cartoonish, but it was it, it gave some it gave some flavor, it gave some character, it gave some personality to her character, and, and I th- I like this profile. Um, speaking of glow, so the last season was the last season we got was in Vegas. They're supposed to do one more season, right? Obviously, they, they, they've probably been put on hold because of the pandemic, I but they're supposed to do one more. They right? shot it, didn't Kong miss some AEW? You would think because she hasn't been on AEW, and so you think that she. Did I, I? But I don't know. I hope they shot it already. Um, but I would almost think that if they shot it, if they got everything shot, I would almost think even if they didn't want to release it to a certain point, I would almost think kind of like the Jordan Last Dance. When you look at the world right now and realize that you can that you can get some draw some big numbers, that you would just fast pass and, and put Netflix, it out earlier. Netflix isn't doing that, and Glow has always been a summer series. Yeah. Um, and I think Netflix also. I mean, look, there's talk now about oh, soon there's going to be production again. Like, I don't think it's going to be that soon unless they're going to sequester. Uh, yeah, it's ta- hard to well, it's hard crew. Well, it's hard to say because the you know, two of the most common plate, two of the most common states filmed in California, where you are. But like, look, a, a minute ago, California, Gavin, your, your governor had said no sports until 2021, and now they're sa- now they're allowing pro sports to be there just with empty fans. So well, between- that was. The bigger part of it was so, but so yeah, with no fans. So between California and then the other state, or like the state that like Ozarks is filmed in, is Georgia, and Georgia has mm-hmm. become a huge hub for filming. And so, I mean, obviously Georgia was the first to jump out there and say, "I got no box. They got no laws right. no in Georgia." So, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, for Glow's purposes, they need California, but who knows? I mean, you know that. But Georgia and California being, if they're if they're open to some business, then you can get a lot of filming. This done. is why I'm such a mark for TV. Cause part of me is like, didn't they shoot the last season of glow in Vegas? Like, 
no, it just took place there. I'm sure they didn't actually shoot well, it in Las Vegas. No, they did shoot a considerable amount. Uh, they did shoot a considerable amount in Vegas. I do know they shot some stuff because uh, I know uh, I know somebody that, that works as a technical. Why advisor. isn't Nevada? I guess maybe just because of the the unbearable heat and the need to air condition everything. But Nevada seems like we've got unlimited land. Like we could just build whatever you need. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Random things that I think. Uh, but yeah, Netflix is not jumping the gun on this content thing. I'm I'm curious uh, with production. I think about this a lot, with, especially because I'm a huge fan of Better Call Saul. Part of me is like, uh, you know, we got Jonathan Banks. We've got people that are older in the cast. And how is it going to be safe? How are they going to be able to do this? I think it's going to be a while until we see the last season. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm a, I also kind of, kind of like AEW being able to get rapid testing. And yeah. by a billionaire, like if you got if you got money, you know, if you're a sports franchise, if you're a billionaire owner, you can make it happen to where you get the extra precautions that is not readily available to the general public. Yet, it's just like porn was in the '90s when they got the rapid DNA test for HIV. Save the industry, Justin, which I'm sure you talked about in your years of interviewing uh, adult film stars. I had it not been saved in Justin Labar from 2011 to 2015 when I not had the porn interview career that I did. <laughs> I mean, Elisa yeah, Ann, uh, Alexis Monroe, Bonnie Rodden, BB Jones. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I got I, China when she was doing her porn, I had China in the studio and then she OD'd that night, never made it to the strip club. Uh, rest in peace, China. I mean, I got stories on the endless days with with the porn stars on 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 the radio and, and video. It's 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 there. That 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 whole other episode. That's a whole other episode for <laughs> me and Matt to do. Well, to, let's put that behind a paywall and maybe make it so people can't like download and record that. We can really go like you know get into the real real. I, I could I could call Alexis Monroe right now and, <laughs> and she would come on or Lisa and they would come on and guest star and, and talk about the trials and tribulations. Uh, of interviews that we've done and, and different uh, uh, promos that we've done together. I could catch up with Ron Jeremy. You know, he's trying to save his childhood tree that his father planted when he was born. The power company wants to tear it down. So the campaign going on right now is save Ron Jeremy's wood. That's going on with her. <laughs> I think between that and me having Lisa Ann on and Lisa Ann, uh, you know, talking about playing uh, Sarah Palin and the Nailing Palin video right. and, and an Eminem music video. Uh, I think we have some great, Great material to, to work on. The second most famous Sarah Palin impersonator in the world. Behind Tina Fey. Behind, behind Tina Fey. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, arguable. Arguable. Uh, how? Uh, did, did we get. Lisa Ann once asked me to go to a Pittsburgh Steelers football game with her, and I was out of town. I couldn't do it. And I was They're like, regular Man. people, Justin. They, they have regular interests. They have regular lives. I'm aware of that. She she asked me as her regular person life, and I was out of town. And I was like, "Man, if I nobody in nobody in my high school would ever believe that a that a award winning porn star just asked to go to a football game with me." I take this aspect with it, where I think it's interesting to talk to, to talk to anyone. But you have to figure that. Um, I think men have this weird built up fantasy about hanging out with porn stars, but you have to think about it. Like I listen to podcasts all day. You know what I don't want to do when I'm hanging out with my friends, talk about podcasts. Yeah. Think about podcasts. That's, you know, it's funny you said that I said this on the wrestling daily a couple like last week. I forget the context. And I said, I don't know what led into it, but I said the context, which is, um, having, having got to, 
work with so many wrestlers in the business. If you're a fan and you come across your, one of your favorite pro wrestlers, whether it's whether it's at the hotel bar or however it is, if you want a tip to prolong that conversation and to actually get to talk to them, and maybe they even follow you on social media or do something memorable for you, don't talk to them about wrestling. Let me. Oh, let me tell a story. Talk, they, 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 they would. You know, they would love to talk about music or whatever their interests are. But they don't want to talk about pro wrestling with you because they cannot talk about the business with you the way they only can talk about the business to other people in the business. So if you are not, they just can't do that. You know, like so if you're a fan, if you if you've never, it's not going to work. If you say, "Oh man, I loved you from that match at WrestleMania," whatever, they're just they just they're trained to say, "Okay, be polite, whatever." Where's the autograph? Where's the picture you want? Now get out of here. I can't be comfortable around you in that regard. I can't be me. So we're an hour in. That's where I start dropping the stories. Um, so uh, one night my band's playing a show at this venue called uh, the Opium Den in Hollywood. And we always, we played there like once every other week. And we always had like a variety of musicians, actors. Like this was a place that wasn't as well known. So people would just go hang out there. Like this is where Jonathan from Corn or Matthew Perry or people would just go hang out because it was right at the bottom of the Hollywood Hills. Like, like no one would bother you. Everyone just treated everyone like people, right? But uh, Daniel Fischel was there one night, and this was probably the last season of Boy Meets World. And um, she came up and was talking to me about my band, and we were talking about hip hop. And all I kept saying in my head was like, "Do not talk about Boy Meets World. Do not talk about." It. And she even referenced the show. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never watched it." And I'm just thinking in my head, like, "Don't get into this." The entire time. Uh, it's uh, the hardest I've ever had uh, just sort of playing it cool. Uh, but she was there the night with her boyfriend at the time, Lance Bass from InSync. They weren't getting along and having a fight. Wonder what that was about in hindsight. Um, but <laughs> yeah, she was exceptionally cool. But at the time, I was just like, I'm not going to acknowledge <laughs> that she's on this TV show because yeah. she was just really cool and wanted to talk about music and a variety of things. Yeah. I mean, that's... but that's the key relate to people as people. It is. I mean, I'm. I'm. It is. I, I could. I'm not going to. I don't want to get bingo on myself. I could name drop so many people who I got some introduction with, and then I just in wrestling that I just didn't go down that path. Even if I did a wrestling thing with them, even if it was an interview or uh, uh, you know a thing at a, at a wrestling show, like a, like an indie show, if you just go for try to find some common ground with anything else. It will go a long way. It just will. I mean, even the family matters, people. I don't like. I, I don't hit up like if I'm gonna get a chance to talk to Julia White, you know, which maybe like once a year I do. I don't say, "Hey, man, we're watching season three, episode twenty, whatever, whatever." You, like, actually, you know what I do um, when I meet actors and actresses? I always want to talk about the most obscure thing I remember them from because I figure. They might People, appreciate. Yeah. yeah. You like when I met Charles Fleischer, who did the voice of Roger Rabbit, I was like, oh, you were the guy that tried to get Horshack to do drugs on that episode of Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> you know? And like we talked about that for a yeah. couple minutes. Like I think when I met Tom Wilson for Back to the Future, I talked about the Turner and Hooch pilot. Like mm -hmm. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna mark out, at least be different. Well, that's the equivalent of talking to a wrestler about something non-wrestling. It, it, it's yeah. it's because if you talk to an actor about a deep dot, a deep cut in their resume that most people don't know. It's the equivalent of like avoiding the obvious of talking to Tom Wilson, but Hey, remember when you were biffing you to this, it's the equivalent of when you talk to a wrestler about rather than talking about their WrestleMania moment, you talk about like, 
Um, so I heard you mention one time on a podcast you're a fan of this band, I, and like it's you know like you know it, it, it's it's a more personable, relatable conversation than the normal twenty questions they get. I have this weird thing. If I ever meet Sami Zayn, I just want to ask, like, are you a book of the fan of the chocolate war? Because I was watching the movie and I read the book and I was just like, this seems like the sort of thing Sami Zayn is the person has modeled his entire life's philosophy around. Like, I think the little things like that sometimes just weird, like curiosities of obscure things I'd want to talk about with some people. But I don't know when people come up to me and want to talk about this podcast. I actually have to admit, I would rather talk about the podcast and you guys than wrestling most of the time when I meet people that listen to this podcast. Just because with wrestling, I feel like we talk about that all the time. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm going to say anything that's groundbreaking. But if people want to, you know, ask me about something random that we talked about once or I don't know, like I I like mixing it up. And I guess it's the same for anyone. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I mean, it's weird. It kind of maybe maybe it feels like not disrespectful, but I guess it's weird. Like, I mean, I've uh, I, I've had a good time and made some money off of over the years getting to like host different, like host, you know, gatherings and such, you know, mania, SummerSlam, big, big, big wrestling weekends and, uh, and have people come and, you know, do podcast report recordings or me do Q and a or whatever. So like they're there because of wrestling there because they have, uh, you know, discovered me because of wrestling. But yeah, if I'm sitting at the bar or whatever like that and I meet somebody, I'm always appreciative. I always love to hear, like, you know, how did you come across it and where are you from? I love to always know where everybody's from. But, like, yeah, I would rather talk to you about anything other than – because when I get the well, – who's going to win the main event tomorrow night if, if it's a wrestling weekend? It's like I've, I've already probably answered this on Twitter or on a podcast. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, you know, like, I'm not going to tell you anything different than I've already rehearsed <laughs> on, a, on a show. So I will say at StarCast last year before Double or Nothing – I did feel good that every person I talked to who said it made you excited, I was like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure John Moxley's showing up. That felt good to be right about that, just yeah. to have that hunch and that feeling. That was electric. I can't believe that's been a year already. That's the loudest oh. I've ever screamed. You could probably hear me yelling in the crowd, fuck yeah, when he shows up in there. I was so stoked. That is the most stoked I've ever been at a wrestling event. And uh, like you, I was there for Sami Zayn versus Nakamura live. More stoked than that when Moxley showed up. Bingo. <laughs> Terrible Trey 89, 499 saying, late to the podcast. Been a crazy day. Here's something to show how grateful we are for you guys. Uh, Raj Geary, thanks you. No, and uh, we thank you as well. Thank 499. You. We can't get blackout bingo because Raj and Matt aren't here. Yeah. I, I do that. <laughs> that Go to... Go to Twitter and find that. I know we showed it, but we couldn't really like zoom into it. Like that bingo board is fun. That is a, a fun. Joseph Grimaldi, 499. Thank you for responding late. But yes, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson live in Canada. That's why they haven't been on TV. I'm surprised they're not filming vignettes. Like, like, ooh, maybe they're in a Dark Order offsite. Maybe a Dark Order retreat. Maybe the Dark Order owns a timeshare. Well, you're telling me Tony Khan can get rapid COVID-19 tests for his talent crew and fans, but he can't get evil Uno over the border. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If this was WWE, I don't they're not even doing this. Like, I'm surprised they're not doing this with Sammy. Like, if, if I owned a wrestling company, I'd be like, you know, I'm not going to do the Vince impression, but I'd be like, Sammy Zayn, you're you're you might not be traveling, but you're working, buddy. I want little vignettes about you trying to smuggle across the border. And let's get someone in a Mountie costume trying to thwart you at every turn. 
I don't know if Vince feels that he's any harmed by not having Sami Zayn. I, I don't, no, but I'm saying put him on TV. Like, make him film little comedy skits about trying to smuggle into the U.S. Maybe. Something. Uh, Mia Yim versus Santana Garrett. Santana. Our truth our, our truth comes up with an underground railroad to get the Canadians into the I'm America. not touching that. Uh, but. Oh, come on. Anyhow, not, uh, rather than going from south to north, you're going I, from north to south. We got to get you to Florida where it's free. DeSantis said, You're a free man here. Oh, come send on. Those tweets to at Justin Labar on Twitter. Uh, that's, me Tim, him, that, that's Tim Taylor, Taylor, care of tool time. <laughs> Mia Yim versus Santana Garrett. Uh, Santana Garrett looking like she was going to start doing card tricks or magic of some sort. Um, she lost this match. Mia Yim looked good, but I like San- I think Santana's got potential. I think her look was good. I think she showed poise. Uh, I think they should give her more to do. Yeah, I mean, I've I've uh, followed Santana's career for a while. I, she, I'm just waiting for like that her to break through that next ceiling. Um. So after this, Gargano came out with Candice LeRae. LeRae was taunting Yim for her loss to Charlotte Flair. Keith Lee came down uh, to check on Mia. Gargano rushed to the back with LeRae. Um, I was thinking during this, man, you know, I wouldn't hate an NXT Mixed Match Challenge. I actually am surprised they didn't do the Mixed Match Challenge um, during this crowdless era because it would have given easy storylines, more reason to interact between superstars like now I'm actually, I think this actually would have been a wise move for any of the brands during this crowdless era. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know. The mixed match, the mixed match challenge experiment. Um, I don't know. I just it didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. It just wasn't. I don't know. I I have no interest in them trying that again. I'm all for trying things, so like I don't damn them for trying it and doing it. But I just. Well, you don't think we're going to get Gargano, LeRae, Cross, and Scarlet, and now Lee and Yim? Oh, needs one more couple, man, and you got a division. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, it, it, I'm fine organically when we have, I just feel like, especially today with, 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 um, with social media and with everybody being so smart, you know which guy and girl pairings are legitimate and which ones are just manufactured. So, like, I, that, I guess maybe that's part of what took me out of it. Like, I know who are, are paired because they, they have a real-life connection and who are just, you know, picked out of a hat, so to speak. I don't know. I just, I just, it just That whole thing didn't do anything for me. When when they try to put the Miz, Miz with Asuka, I don't know. It, it, they try to do some random ones. It just didn't work for me. Um... After this, we had Damian Priest uh, cutting a promo on or talking about what happened with Finn Balor. Then we had the pre-recorded video from Cameron Grimes. Um, I mean, I love Priest. And, and I mean, they they're, they seem committed to Grimes. It hasn't really grabbed me yet, but they seem committed. So they're, they continue. Committed's fine as long as you stay consistent. One of the biggest pet peeves I have is when it's like, they try to put in a, and this doesn't happen so much in NXT as much as it does raw SmackDown, but it's when they try to like push and push a character for two or three weeks. And we don't see it for three weeks. And then we're back to seeing it again. 
So at least they're staying consistent with the Cameron Grimes thing. I love Damian Priest, so I'm always into like any any advancement there. Roderick Strong versus Dexter Loomis, a very long match. The, yeah, this exactly this, and it's weird. I know Roddy's part of like the big heel faction of NXT, but like what I thought I'm supposed to believe in with Dexter, I'm like this shouldn't have been this long. And oh, Dexter loses too. I couldn't. I, I didn't vibe with this. Yeah, I thought Loomis should have won. I actually. Maybe they're not high on Loomis, given how this went, and given that uh, afterwards uh, Velveteen Dream came to uh, save him from the beatdown from Undisputed Era. I was thinking, I mean, Loomis, like the creepy way he like, crawls into the ring. Um, I, honestly, I could go for a story where he just beats every member of Undisputed Era and like causes the faction to break up. Maybe even if they've cooled on Dream a little bit. Not giving him the championship, but having him be like the one that destroys them from the inside that causes Adam Cole to, to lose, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And, and and good point bringing up Dream. Like, what's what's his status? He's on TV, man. I don't know. There was uh, those allegations that one weekend, and I haven't seen anything since. So, clearly, I mean, WWE is keeping him on, on television, so we have to assume they've looked into this somewhat and uh, determined that he was hacked or whatever. I don't know. Wrestling Inc. has the entire story. I don't want to get any details wrong uh, and what those were, but go to Wrestling Inc. for what the story was a couple weeks back with Dream. But I'm, am I wrong? We haven't really heard anything since huh. then. He's been on TV. Yeah. So in WWE's eyes, he's, he's fine. And I, I would assume that given what those allegations were, that they would have like vigorously – uh, or vigorous or rigorous? One of the two. They would have thoroughly looked into them. Yeah. Um, so Roderick Strong won that match. Yeah, attacked by uh, Colin Fish after Velveteen Dream made the save. Uh, after that, um, oh, we had the masked men show up again. Attack Tazawa. Yes. <sighs> the full sale parking lot. Going back to, uh, to, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Hideo Itami. Oh. The full sale parking lot is the least secure area in all of the Well, what I'm trying to figure out, like, I mean, NXT has a deep roster in the sense of, like, you have NXT, you have NXT UK, you have 205 Live, you have, like, NXT talent who are, like, not on TV. They're still, like, the house show in Florida type roster. I'm like, who the hell could the mass men be? Like, who's there that could it could be? Like, who are they trying to? Are they trying to introduce new characters? Is it characters we already know that are repackaging? Like, I'm not sure where that's supposed to be. Yeah, don't know. Um, but we'll find out. I'm sure. Will the payoff be satisfactory, Justin, or disappointing? Time will tell. Uh, I mean, the fact that it's kind of—I feel like it's it's kind of dragging. So, like, it's been going on a long time. Yeah, I mean, like. It would have to be like a big name they've acquired that's like leaving this. I mean, like if you if you want, I mean, if the details matter tonight, the I think it was two mass men that attacked Azawa, and then they they jumped back in the SUV. One jumped in the passenger, one jumped into the back seat. So there was another person who's driving. So like, unless there's like a big ringleader who's somebody who's established, like maybe if it's somebody who's been of prominence <clears throat> on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT, who's since disappeared. Like essentially the hacker gimmick. If it's somebody who's done something, who's a name, who's been repackaged as the leader of this parking lot assault group, 
maybe that the payoff works, but if it's a bunch of new Who people, could it be? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. They haven't signed new talent that we've heard about in a long time. Cross was the last big get. Cross and Thatcher got signed at the same time, and we've been seeing them. So I, that's what I mean. So unless it's somebody who ha- is being repackaged, but then, I mean, hell, they cut twenty plus people, maybe even more. So I, you know, it's not like you can. It's not like you're gonna grab Heath Slater, and Heath Slater's now the. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know who. Leo Kruger is coming back. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know. The last photos I saw of him, would he get he get like an amazing shape and kind of got his life together a little bit? He got an amazing shape. I feel like I worked a show in 2019 with Bull James and Bull. Oh yeah, Bull. Did, we did a show on a Thursday night, and Bull was heading that weekend to Florida. I thought he told me it was Adam Rose, aka. I thought he told me it was, Adam, it was like his like Adam Rose's like last match. So. I remember reading something about that. Now, let me just say, Bull Fit could have been on the main roster what Otis is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Bull's... Vince could have really run with that. But can he do the, the the worm, the dolphin dive? I don't think he can. Sorry, Bull. I don't think he can. Yes. Uh, Oni Lorkin and Tenny Birch versus Everize. This, uh, you know, like th- this was probably the low point of this NXT. I th- yeah. thought this was a really good episode, but this, this, as Raj would say, was there. It was there. And as Matt Morgan would say, next. Yes. Uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch got that win. <sighs> There's the sigh. Um, Bingo. Yes. Uh, well, the sigh is the free space. Um, so. Oh, uh, here we go. The Drake Maverick versus Kushida. I almost thought this could be the main event tonight. Uh, but obviously, with Drake getting the win, and now there's going to be a triple threat to determine who advances. This was great for Drake. We were talking about this off the air. Here's a guy they had peeing their pa- his pants on the air uh, in a weird comedy angle with the 24-7 title involving uh, his lack of ability to consummate his marriage, wearing uh, riot gear out there with AOP. I mean, he was a comedy act, so here he gets fired legitimately um, and is in this storyline to save his job. And this is this is like the potential. This is the heart. This is all everything like Matt Morgan and others have said they've wanted to see from him. He, he I mean, again, Justin, we're talking about $100 bets or more. So I'm betting he wins this and gets his job back. Anything less than that, I just feel like people will, will turn on NXT and WWE if that's not the outcome at this point, given that we've been told he's actually not under contract anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're giving him this considerable amount of TV time. They're giving him this comeback story. Um, so, yeah, it, all signs point towards that he's going to go to the finals and you think win. Uh, as I mentioned to you off-air, though, I mean, he has... He has he has changed his Twitter name to Spud. He, he seemed like he's got some merchandise and some inv- reinvestment back into his. You know, he used to be known as Rockstar Spud prior to WWE. For anybody that didn't follow that, so it seems like he's reinvesting in uh, a career outside of the Drake Maverick, which was his WWE given name. But yeah, all signs point towards that they've either this is one big work all along, or he truly was fulfilling some final dates they were asking him to do and he's 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 caught fire with him it's it's this is this is unique this is not something there's a lot of precedent for with him 
but maybe that's you know what we talk about it every 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 Wednesday night that he's on, we spend a considerable amount of time going down the wormhole of this. So, and that's maybe. the weird part. This is a predetermined tournament. This isn't yeah. a shoot fight where right. he can win his job back. Um, they already know the result or have a pretty good idea. And the fact that they uh, have this um, triple threat happening to advance in the way it's been booked makes me feel like they're trying to milk his involvement as long as possible. I don't know. Um, like, I think not – forget someone who covers this. As a fan, I would be, like, legitimately pissed off at the company just by using the most basic deductive reasoning and him not having his job back at the end of this. The fact that they even went through this at all is just cruel. Sure, but, but, but you know, devil's advocate. <clears throat> you say <clears throat> if, excuse me, sorry about that. If you were somebody who didn't cover this, if you were just a really casual fan, if you're a really casual fan, you might not even be aware they made yeah. the cuts they made and that he was somebody who was cut because he they referenced was, it on NXT. Yeah, true. I was like, going to say, if you're a really casual fan, you might even be aware that he was named as those guys that were cut and that they even did this. And then, so then if he makes it to the finals, loses, and you don't see him again, that, that is not new territory for you to see somebody on WWE programming and then not see them for months afterwards. So you might sure, just sure. naturally forget about them. Um, although, see, again, okay, let's go even further down the wormhole. Maybe, maybe he gets to the final, he loses. Oh my God, the WWE are evil. I can't believe they did this. They manipulated us. The next week he starts back and there's like a cruiserweight rebellion. 205 Live's like the pirate ship. Drake Maverick's going to take down the company from the inside for like being assholes. Like, so I guess when I say that like he's going to win this, what I really mean is that if the storyline is he needs to get win to get his job back, but if he loses, like I don't think he's done with the company. It just seems... Why would they squander yeah. this? I, I Win or lose, he's, he's still he's still in the I don't think he's done. I, I think again, this is pretty unprecedented, I think, from the moment that they announced that he was released amongst that batch of other guys, they knew they were doing this. And that's a whole other debate of is it right or wrong that you got a pandemic going on and you're cutting talents and et cetera, et cetera. But I think they've known what they're doing from the start of this. They, they, they've known what the end game is going to be. And I think the end game is he wins. Yes. Uh, to quote Waiting for Guffman, uh, they're just bastard people at the WWE. Uh, Gloria, Gloria Dalton, Buck 99, saying, give Drake props for even doing this so damn well. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like if he was told, could you imagine, dude, we're letting go a bunch of people. Uh, you were going to be on the chopping block, but I got a way to save your job. We're going to make it part of a storyline. Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. he, they're putting yeah. him in a situation. He can't, yeah, he can't yeah. they know. I'm not going to fight him. I mean. Yeah. Dan, SFC, Australian five bucks saying, is the swerve that Phantasma's behind it all, seeing as they're never, never able to catch him? Ooh. ruh Shaggy. Yes. By the way, that new Scoob movie, they're really, really promoting the hell out of this. Does not look good. I love Scooby-Doo as a kid. I have no interest to see this Scoob. Yeah, just, you know, why? Why? Were Scooby Snacks weed brownies before weed brownies were mainstream? Hmm. Interesting. Also, no Matthew Lillard as the voice of Shaggy. Therefore, I boycott. Matthew Lillard. Man, let's, let's talk about Scream. Matthew Lillard as Stu. One of my favorite lines in the first Scream when... 
when all on the final act, and then and then and Sydney goes, "So, Stu, you know, uh, Billy's got his motive. What's yours going to be? Peer pressure. Far too sensitive. Love it. Also, love the fact that David Arquette is coming back to the new Scream reboot as Deputy uh, Dewey. Nice. Love, love me some Matthew Lillard. Although, in watching Good Girls, he's on that, and uh, the man is an amazing actor because not only did he bring Shaggy to life a cartoon character that he embodied as a person. But uh, Justin Labar in the show Good Girls, he plays a man who, get this, is married to Christina frickin' Hendricks. Doesn't want her. He's going to just cheat on her with, like, random women. Like, that's that's Emmy-worthy, Oscar-worthy acting to make Google. me believe that such a thing is possible. <clears throat> Hang on, I have to Google Christina Hendricks. Oh, yeah. People that watch Mad Men know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, this redhead. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll get behind that. Yeah, uh, see, we're, we're an hour and uh, 27 minutes in. I start dropping bombs, Raj. You could have stopped this if you would have just be, you know, here on your own podcast. <laughs> could have stopped all this, could have stopped a lot of this. I, I don't think it's a controversial statement. I think I, I would guess uh, we've. I, don't think we ever talked about this, but I would say that if you poll family feud style, if we polled, you know, a thousand people in America, I would guess that 999 would find Christina Hendricks to be a very attractive woman. Yeah. I mean, ooh, good. I'm, 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 I'm scrolling the, 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 the pics yeah. here on Google. Um, something about, she, something about redheads. She divorced her husband or, or he divorced her. Uh, I would love to know the story behind that. But if you look at her husband, talk about winning the lottery or her now ex-husband. He was, uh, he actually, he was in The Ringer. He was very funny in the movie The Ringer. Oh my God. I just saw a picture of him. He was in The Ringer. Yes. <laughs> like he, he has the famous line. The best line when, in the ring. when the fuck do we get ice cream? <laughs> you know, they say humor only gets you so far. Humor can get you married to Christina Hendricks. So uh, keep dreaming, kids. The Ringer, directed by the same guy who did Beyond the Net. Yes. Which is what inspires my Vince impersonation. There you have it. Uh, so Drake Maverick won that match. There's going to be a triple threat to advance with him, Kushida, and Atlas because they're all two and one. When the fuck did we get ice cream? <laughs> and Johnny Knoxville's face is shoot. He had no idea that line was coming. You can tell. That movie is really like, it's really underrated on so many levels. I think people thought it was going to be a cheap, easy, tasteless film. Well, uh, but, when, you, when, you, when you tell somebody what the plot is, it, yes. it, it's hard to justify. But then when you talk about that it was made with the full cooperation the, and endorsement yeah. of the Special Olympics, yes. it is actually a very progressive, inclusive movie that I think does not talk down to uh, it, to uh, any anyone in the film. No, if you can get to the the final act, the, the, the big reveal, and then Johnny Knoxville making his, his characters, making the speech about how tremendous these athletes are. Yes. You, if you, but the hard thing is getting people to get to that point and not turn turn it off before then going, this is so offensive. I didn't watch it for years. I didn't watch it until I learned that the Special Olympics cooperated with it. And then I became really curious about like, okay, well, if they signed off on it, it must not be, it must not be what you would assume it would be. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so Rio Ripley versus Io Shirai was the main event. These two started going at it, started getting into it. This was really good. And then Charlotte Flair showed up. Surprise. Causing a DQ finish. 
So it's going to be a triple threat for the title. They didn't announce this. I'm just assuming it's going to be a triple threat for the title at TakeOver in your house. And I'm assuming that Rhea Ripley pins Io Shirai to get the belt off off Charlotte. I would think so. There it is. There it is. There it is. It was a good show. I I enjoyed it. I thought NXT tonight, I thought um, both NXT and AEW were good, but I I enjoyed NXT more. Um, again, I stick with what I said. NXT was more consistent, but I, I will have to say, for better or for worse, and maybe some of it was because there were some car crashes, I watched more of AEW live. Again, some of that was because I was like, oh, there's chaos here, and Phoenix just got hurt, and oh, Brit's hurt, like, uh, or oh, why is Orange Cassidy wrestling this long? I mean, I so I, I mean, I guess I, I watch more of AEW, maybe not always for the right reasons. But yeah, uh, I don't want to knock. Again, if you're somebody who's looking for recommendations, obviously we highlighted what was the, the, the high points for AEW. You can watch most of NXT, and you're, I don't think it's a waste of your two hours, especially fast forwarding through commercials. Um, but you're not going to find anything other than the opening with Cross and Ciampa. There's not a lot from NXT where it's like, like can't miss, if that makes sense. I mean, but is, is any wrestling can't miss these days in the age with the kids and their YouTube and uh, well, no, I mean, there's, there's still, it, can't, it can't miss is on the scale of like, you don't want to be late to the party. You don't want to be a half hour, even an hour late. You want to have seen it, be able to put your tweet out right away and give your opinion right away. Yes. We're living in an era of uh, animated gifts are the most popular way to watch wrestling. Yeah. Gif or GIF, Justin. I believe the creator of it even said it's GIF. Even though I think, uh, no, they they've said this. The creator of it even said, this. "Well, it stands for graphical image format." Hard G. Oh. Hard G also is going to be my rap name when I come back to uh, <laughs> hip hop. I feel like that way. What do I normally say? What do I normally call it? <laughs> I think for a while, actually, maybe I did call it GIF. It's like the know. peanut butter. Although, you know what the best peanut butter is? Peter Pan? Peter Pan peanut butter. Now you've got the song stuck in your head. You're welcome. Speaking of Marklin Baker. Is it is it GIF or is it GIF? I'm going with I'm going with GIF. Um, so, and now I'm just thinking about the Peter Pan peanut butter song. Actually, no, I feel like the creator said it was GIF. Even though, the, you know, even though that like G-I-F-T would be GIFT. I think they had this, it was GIF. Um, let's hit some news. All right. Well, we already talked about Owen Hart's, uh, yeah. dark side of the ring. Uh, I'll do this. I'll do the sad one first. I know you guys talked about a Monday. Just, it, we're just mentioning it cause I know it's going to be a big thing on, on wrestling Inc. Um, they did finally recover the body of Shad Gaspard. He did, uh, his body, God, this is, this is even tough to even say his body did oh, wash up, wash up on the beach. Um, in Venice Beach, so they can now officially declare that he is deceased, even though I think, you know. That was the assumption. Um, and Raw. Um, so, you know, Raw saw it not this past Monday, the week prior, there was a, a, an uptick that we saw with the Becky Lynch announcing she's pregnant and leaving. Um, Randy Orton and Edge going to have a traditional wrestling match. So, kind of curious what this past Monday was going to bring. It dipped down again. It was the um, 
it was the second lowest viewed Raw ever. Uh, the one that was the worst was a couple weeks ago earlier. Um, this one did 1.75 million viewers. The one that was the worst a couple weeks ago did 1.6. So again, you know, they were they were they're banking on the, you know, what they were promoting on this was, you know, Drew McIntyre up against this, you know, who's Raw up against this SmackDown star Baron Corbin. And again, I Baron Corbin is one of the best heels in the pro wrestling business. And if you roll your eyes at me saying that, you affirm my point. Uh, but but there's no there's no freaking like reason for me to care about this. I know Baron Corbin's not winning the title. Baron Corbin is not even going to be the next challenger for for Drew in a pay per view. Like it, this is this is you know what they'll like <clears throat> when this guy from Friday is going to be on Monday. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Do you think, though, the idea of, I mean, I get your point, but that's like saying, like, you know, Gigi Allen was terrible and offensive and unlistenable, but that's the point, man. Like, you know, he's like trying, he's trying to invoke that reaction from you. I don't know. I mean, no. I enjoy watching Baron. I don't think with Baron, it's just about that you're supposed to, I think there's an art no. to it. It's not like, again, because we've talked about this, there are lazy and terrible ways to come out there and just get cheap heat. I think Baron is very much the art of being a heel rather than just going out there and taking the easy path. Here's what it is. And this is as blunt as I can put it. Baron is the art of being a, an effective heel in 2020. The people that choose to use the cop out. Oh, it's the Galloway heat or he's not good heel. He doesn't know how to wrestle. You're the ones that are the most easily worked. You're the most vulnerable. You're the ones that think you're smarter than you fucking actually are. Baron Corbin He's a. I don't want to say he's a good heel because that makes me sound like I'm you. No, Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin is a quality heel. He does the things that you want to elicit a heel reaction, and it makes anybody he's against an instant babyface. That is a great talent to have. So if you immediately assume and try to give me this laundry list of reasons as to why it's not because he doesn't do this in his in ring work, and he didn't work these three indie companies, all this stuff. You are exactly the person they're trying to work. You're the easiest to work. Wake up. So when you hung out with Lisa Ann, did she let, did you get to call her by her real name or did you have to like keep well, kayfabe? Well, her real first name is Lisa. So I always oh, call her Lisa. But like Alexis Monroe, her real name is not Alexis Monroe. So I don't call her that. When you um, hang out with wrestlers, like, you know, off rest, uh, wrestlers are interesting. That, that's a funny question. Wrestlers are interesting because there's a, there's a decent amount of wrestlers who, their wrestling name is is not even any. There's no re- relation to their real to the real name, but like they just get like they just get so comfortable that that's just what they're known. Almost to the point of where the real name is just they only want their wives or their kids. Like I mean, like like hmm. I like, I, I, like Tommy Dreamer. Like dream, so me and so many you call him Dreamer. He's Dreamer. He's Dreamer. Dreamer's not his real last name, but Dreamer's just what he is. Like that's just who he is. I, I don't know. Like uh, wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. It is a weird name because. It is a weird thing because sometimes when you meet wrestlers, there are some guys who, depending on who they were, depending on who or how they were trained, they were trained to even introduce themselves as their work name, and they never even you never even know what they don't ever tell you the real name. But there's other guys who I meet who they always tell me the real name, and I'm like, all right, well, oh, maybe that means they like you. You know, they say if, uh, uh, if a stripper tells you the real name, that means they're uh, no. Nah, look, if, if, if if you're getting a lap dance and Paradise tells you her real name's Amanda, 
That don't mean that. That don't mean that you're going to be Amanda's new boyfriend. That just means that Paradise is trying to work extra for that twenty bucks. Well, like so they've got they've got layers of fake names. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like all, how all girls have that that fake name or fake phone number they're going to give you or that fake story they're going to give you. So when I become a male dancer, because uh, that's where the economy is. Let's face when you that. become when you become that, when you become that male dancer named uh, uh, RG. Yeah, so I'm gonna be hard G, and then I'll tell people like I'm just I'm just kidding. My real name is uh, Sebastian. Like that'll be my fake real name. But then if you make it to like the ultimate tier, if you tip big enough, then it's like I'm Sebastian is just my fake real name. My real name is Clay. Like yeah. that'll be that'll be like for the big 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 money. For the super chat money. Yeah, I got, I got a plans, man. Got a whole plans for this. And I'm not, don't think I'm going to get in shape for this when I start my uh, exotic dancing. You're doing it, doing it like this. And by the way, I can't dance, but that's not what they're there for. They're really there for the, 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 the riveting conversation. Thank you, Phil Collins. I can't dance. I can't sing. John L. is saying, well, what oh, if... Oh, I can't dance. I can't walk. Only thing about me is the way I talk. There it is. John L. is saying, what if what if the, the the real name was Diamond? Could you imagine that conundrum? Like, you were given, like, that's, a... That's the crazy thing. There is no woman that's ever a birth name is... is there's no birth name who's ever uh, Mercedes who goes on a strip. No, Mercedes is being the fucking prosecuting uh, attorney uh, by the time she's 25. It's crazy. No, you know what it is? It's Ricky, like Ricky Steamboat syndrome. Like the dude's real name is Dick Blood. Like, like, <laughs> come on. It's all right there. It has to come up with something even more fantastic. You got to top it. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're born with, with the name Dick Blood, then you better think, choose wisely. Well, it's like I had my entire idea when I saw uh, Jermaine Jackson making the rounds after Michael's unfortunate passing. Uh, and learned that Jermaine Jackson named his son Jer Majesty. And I was like, if I have kids, I got to get in on this. If I have a daughter, I'm going to name her Glenchantress. You know, yeah. like, like, you I mean, gotta like, put, like, put your name right in there. Like, Labar, like, Labar is my legal last name. It's not my birth name, but it's, it is my legal last name. Oh, wait, th this is a layer. Labar is my last name that when I was very young, uh, my, he, my, my, he, he's, he, he's technically, he's my, he's not my birth. He's not my biological father, but, uh, he, he adopted me legally. So the Labar oh. is his last name. That's not my birth name, but it's, that's my legal. Well, name. that's not exciting. I thought like you came up with this name, uh, like, oh, no, no, like no, Justin no. Labar was a character that you became, or like you had, we're in the witness protection program <laughs> or had to change your identity. Cause you had some bad checks you wrote 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, no, but that's okay, why, no, that, that's no, nice that's why actually fun story. People always ask, why do you, cause I used to, why do you, why would you have your own last name tattooed on your arm? And I always say, I have it. And this is a true story. I have it. And there's obviously shades of red. It is my, um, tribute to my father, Jeff Labar of me, nice. of me putting Labar in my blood of my, uh, gratification of, of him being my adoptive father and how well he raised me and treated me. So that's, that's what that's about. Um, but I, but like, so like my daughter, she's Libby Labar and like, I, we, we named her Libby and like people always say Libby Labar. That's like a, that's a stage name. Like she can, and, and sure enough, she loves to sing and dance and perform. And she's, it's, it's funny how names kind of like tell stories before the people even start on their journeys. It is true. 
for me, it's an enigma, you know, the Irish first name, the Jewish last name. People don't know what they're getting with me. <laughs> That's why I can't have a kid, children, though, because it's like, man, like every name paired with Rubenstein sounds like an accountant. You know, you can't have like Max Rubenstein. Like, it's just it's all it's just all bad. That's true. Yeah. Uh, 13 Anarchy hashtag poll committed. <laughs> that was worth a shout out. Uh, so we've gone off the rails here, which I think it means it's time to end and i'm out of a drink i've been out for 10 minutes so i got a little water left for me as long as long as i'm hydrated stay hydrated that's what ddp always always tells you to do have you done the ddpy uh i have a copy of it i've not formally done it i interviewed him once and he had me doing it on the air we were on the we were on the interview he had me doing some of the stuff but i, I haven't but actually i i, I know f friends and family who all do it and they they swear by it I, i've heard enough people who say it is a legit thing so yeah, we're uh, every day now. Every day we're uh, well, we're alternating. We're doing uh, walking one day and then DDPY the next day. But I've been feeling good. It's been it ain't your mama's yoga. There's something to this dynamic resistance stuff. When he points out with with uh, Bruce Lee and talking about that. So when Bruce Lee was doing all those moves, you would always see him doing in slow motion that you always see parodied bad. Mm -hmm. What Bruce Lee was doing was dynamic resistance, moving slowly, engaging all of his muscles. And when you think about that, it all starts to make sense. Yeah, way without weights, you can sort of control and give yourself this workout. Dallas and I were in an interview once, and he had me like do this, and then he had me like do like this thing. He was trying to give me the basics of it was it was wild. I don't know. Yes, Dynamic. I did the diamond cutter yeah. with him. Yep. Something about uh, you know, it was spreading open my finger. Something about Diamond Dallas Page yelling at you, spread it wider. It was like, oh, that's a little weird. Um, but uh, yeah, very very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, it's late. It's late, everybody. We're punching. It's late. It is. Tw it is. It is twelve oh seven in the morning where I'm at. It is. It is nine oh seven where you're at. Late. You, you're the sun just went down. Hey, don't let the sun go down on me. You're late. You're you're you Californians. Late. I'm over here in the middle of the night. <sighs> so we got SmackDown Friday night, Double or Nothing Saturday night. Raw Monday night. Woo! -hoo. It's gonna be good times. So he's at Justin Labar. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Um, we'll catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Gang podcast. Take care.